Hello and welcome. This is On Mike with Jordan Rich, a podcast that supports the art of conversation about all kinds of things, ranging from art and literature to music, science, history, and more. Today we're going right at the cultural phenomenon known as video gaming. And I have the perfect guest to talk all about it. He is David Giltonen. As he says, he wears all kinds of hats. He knows everything there is to know about video games. He plays them, he writes them, he designs them, he even does voices for them. He has a podcast that is required listening for gamers called ARG Cast, another retro gaming podcast. It's very popular. He's been working in the video game industry since 2012. And while I wouldn't even attempt to challenge him in front of a game console, I do respect David's knowledge and understanding of the industry, and I'm thrilled that he's here today. So David Giltonen, master of all video games, let's go on, Mike. Pong. You know what that is? I, I do know about Pong, yes. You know what Atari is, then? I, I know all about Atari. Yes. I was there at the beginning, and then I trailed off, and I need people like you to help me out. Okay, fair <laughs> enough. There's a lot of ground to cover, but I think we can do it there. Yeah, so. Absolutely. Let's talk, first of all, about you, because uh, you've got a podcast that I'm happy to promote called the ARGcast, A-R-G cast, mm-hmm. which is... Um, it's called Another Retro Gaming Podcast. There must be more than one out there, I would imagine. Yeah. Um, I mean, like that whole naming convention, uh, the reason behind that is because it's, um, it's it's a little bit of a nod um, to like the fact that we did a retro gaming podcast before that. So Before it was retro. Uh, right. Well, it, 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 was, it was another retro gaming podcast, but it was called Talk Retro because it was okay. part of Retro Magazine. And, uh, you know, I was the managing editor for Retro Magazine at the, right. at, at the time. So, uh, yeah, so the, you know, that's like the whole reason behind that naming convention. So. Got it. Let's talk about you, though, before we get started. You're a talented guy. You are a writer. You're a voiceover artist. We've worked together in the past. And uh, when did this whole thing start for you? When you were just a little tyke or what? Uh, basically, yeah. Um, I mean, I've been into gaming, like, ever since I was, like, two or three when my dad randomly came home with a Commodore 64, I remember. So. I remember those. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so uh, he randomly came home with that. I remember playing games like Kickman, for example, um, and uh, I think Serpentine or whatever is like the name of that game, like where you play as like worms and you're trying to like eat other worms from behind. Yeah, very it's, simple but, compared to what's out there today. Yeah, it's very very simple stuff back then. But uh, when I was five, like around Christmas, is when I got the NES, and that's like mm. when it pretty much like steamrolled for me. So. Yeah, here we are in 2019 recording this podcast, and stuff is just happening at a rapid rate in all technologies, certainly gaming. So I'm going to rely on you to be my gaming guy, and <laughs> sure. I really appreciate you being here. First off. Uh, the hardware that's evolved, I mean, over the years, I remember the Sega games and, and mm-hmm. having the box and plugging in those big cartridges. What's the latest out there now that people should be aware of? What what are they using? Uh, sure. Um, I mean, there's a lot lot more focus on downloadable games, for sure. Mm-hmm. Um, physical games still exist, obviously. Uh, they're not like the big clunky car- carts like, like how, mm-hmm. you know, how we had before with like Sega Genesis and all that. Um, but uh, yeah, there's definitely more of a focus on like downloading games, and now we're heading more into actually like streaming games at this point. So think of like Netflix, but for gaming in a sense. I was going to ask you about that. That was one of my notes. Streaming, it's everywhere, and it makes sense. I mean, everything else is digitally downloadable. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, like the thing with like gaming though is that it's a little trickier because for certain games, latency is a huge issue, and so like if you're playing like say like a fighting game, like where um, there's more like Twitch-based controls and where like every second counts, basically. Um, having like a game stream like over like a cloud server or whatever mm. um, can can be like a little problematic uh, if, you know for like games like that and also like people I feel like more so like with gaming than say with like movies or music 
Um, people who are into games like the idea of like owning the games. And so now we're actually you know slowly getting away from that, I feel like. Uh, talk a little bit about how many uh, video gamers are playing other video gamers. Because it used to be you'd got the game when I was a young lad. You got the game and you played by yourself and you tried to defeat the serpent or mm-hmm. have Aladdin. Beat the dragon, yeah. Have Aladdin. <laughs> Take his uh, sword out and whip the uh, the bad guys, mm-hmm. but now it's so interactive, isn't it? In uh, so many ways. Yeah, I mean, um, I guess like if you're looking, you know, if you're looking at the difference, I guess like from you know, say like Aladdin on the Sega Genesis. Uh, you know, I'm guessing that's what you're referencing. Yes. yes. Um, so if you're looking at something like that, like where it's like a simple, like straightforward game, like you know, you start at the beginning, you go through your levels, you beat bosses, and you get to the end, and you see the you know the end credits and all that. Um, there are certainly a lot more games now, like where it's all about like online multiplayer and playing you know against other people. So I think of like you know like Fortnite or Overwatch games like that. Um, so there's definitely more of a focus on that, and also more of a focus on having like big like world building moments, basically. So you have like a giant like map that's like open ended. You can mm. go anywhere. So you think of like Grand Theft Auto. Um, that's certainly more of a focus as well. I mean, you know, you think of like the games like The Witcher as well. That's also like right. very much like speaking that. of Grand Theft Auto. I read a stat somewhere recently that. It's the most popular video piece of production in the world. I mean, in terms of downloads and, and actual ownership, beating out the Avengers and everything else, <laughs> Down downloads of Grand Theft Auto. Mm-hmm. Incredible. What do you attribute its success to in sure. that case? Um, I mean, certainly with Grand Theft Auto specifically, that franchise really came into prominence with Grand Theft Auto 3. Um, so Grand Theft Auto like 1 and 2 as well. I think there was like a spinoff too, like where you're in England. Um, those were like top-down 2D games. Like they were like good games, but they they weren't like anywhere near to the success of like what Grand Theft Auto Three mm. and on were. Uh, and like the big reason for that really is because of the controversy behind them. Mm. Um, so you know, I'm sure you like saw like in your local news or whatever, like you know, Grand Theft Auto Three, like it's going to like corrupt the youth and all this stuff, right, and right. like you know, because like it, because of the fact that you can like say for example, pick up a hooker, you know, have sex with them, whatever, and it refills your health, and you can like run them over if you want to, whatever. It, but it's it's politically not correct then yeah. or now, probably less so now. Yeah, and the production values on games are, including that one, are just obviously amazing. Can you talk a little bit about how things have evolved and when it really went from almost stick figures to <laughs> these um, incredible lifelike uh, amorphous types or avatars? I mean, they really have become alive. Yeah. I mean, that just kind of comes with like the technology as, as you know, as like the generations of consoles have moved around. I mean, um, you know, so you certainly think of like the NES like, with like 8-bit graphics and all that, like how, you know, how uh, how games look like, say, mm-hmm. like Super Mario Brothers or The Legend of Zelda, um, you know, and all like, you know, pixelated and all that stuff. And then you move into like PlayStation 1 where it's more like voxels and like how, how characters look where, uh, you know, it's, it's a basically voxel shape basically like where it's kind of like a lot of flat edges but still like more human-like in a mm-hmm. sense. Um, and now, you know, when you look at like, you know, with Xbox 360, Xbox One, PS3, PS4, whatever – um, the differences between each console generation is like less and less, you know, as far as like how like the graphical fidelity is like, right. n- you know, now when you're, when you're looking at, uh, like console generations, it's more of like how the performance is rather than how the games look. And we're talking about video gaming in a very broad general conversation here. So you, you'll excuse me if I jump around a little bit, cause yeah. this is fun. Grand Theft Auto, we just talked about that, but there are other games that take off and are hot as wild Fire and one of them is Fortnite. I yeah. know, and again, that's gotten some press for not necessarily good reasons, but that gives popularity to the game. What would you rate beyond that as the the big, big, big games that just 
blew everything away. What would be the, the, the champions? The champions of like just like gaming period? In general, yeah. I mean, I, those are the two that I know of right off the bat. I, sure. I know some of the sci-fi games, but tell, tell me what you think are in the top five, let's say. Um, I mean, if we're talking about like just like grossing or just like um, how much success they have as far as like number of like players that play them or mm-hmm. number of sales, whatever. Um, I mean, certainly Fortnite is up there. Um, you know, uh, you know, also like Overwatch is up there as well. Uh, League of Legends is also very much up there. Um, that's like a MOBA type game, basically. So like, uh, you know, again, it's very focused on like having a bunch of people playing together. You're online. You know, you're, you have like an objective you have to complete and all that stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh, World of Warcraft was very much like that, too. Uh, what's the combat one? Um, the soldiers fighting. Uh, uh, Call of Duty? Call of Duty. Yeah, that's a huge um, one, too. That's a huge one, too. We know that they're highly technically advanced at this point and mm-hmm. very, very popular. What's the demographic breakdown of who's playing these games? Is it mostly male? Yeah, I mean, at least like those types of games, I'd say mostly male. Um, although gaming in general, if you talk about gaming in general, it's it's actually more of a 50-50 split. Actually, because, um, you know, you do have like more female gamers actually who will play like mobile games, for example. Um, So that's very like, you know, that's a very prominent market as well. Um, You know, certainly games like Animal Crossing, for example, that's a Mm. highly successful franchise for Nintendo uh, that has like a strong female audience. And um, yeah, I mean, like it's it's really, you know, I'll say like if we're talking broad strokes here, I mean, it it is 50 50. But otherwise, if if you are talking about like Call of Duty, then certainly more on a male. That's obviously aimed at a. Yeah at a male population. What's really incredible to me, David, is the is the artistic flair that these things have and how detailed they are and very much like uh, watching a film. Yes. You can almost I mean you can almost not play and just watch the action and be captivated. Who's making these things? Who are the people behind all these? <laughs> Who are these people? Who are uh, these people? <laughs> um, so uh, one good example actually is a game that's about to come out called Death Stranding. Um, is made by Hideo Kojima, um, or at least like you know he's like the lead of, of you know like the team basically who made it, um, and he is very well known for basically making his games as cinematic as possible. Like he, you know, I you know, I, I don't want to like you know insult the man say, but like he is kind of like a wannabe movie director in mm-hmm. a lot of ways. But mm-hmm. he is very much ingrained in the gaming industry, and he loves that space obviously. Um, but he did just recently say that he wants to get more in, you know into like movies like in the near future. So. Um, so it's very obvious, like with games like Metal Gear Solid, for example, like with how cinematic like those games are, like how they're laid out, and like the, you know when you like play through them, um, you know especially if you think of like Metal Gear Solid Four, for example. Um, I mean, like the first like four hours of of that game, I mean, like there's like maybe like fifteen to twenty minutes of actual gameplay, and the rest are cutscenes, yeah. basically. So they're very cinematic in that way. Um, I know Naughty Dog is also like a you know is a developer that's uh, you know that's very much in that line too, with like games like Uncharted and The Last of Us. Mm. Uh, those are very cinematic games, although certainly more um, there's more gameplay involved than in Kojima's games for sure. Um, but like yeah, th- there's definitely more of an emphasis, I guess, with uh, having. Um, better like storytelling in games and that's like a way that you know, these, these developers the, are doing What it. makes it most appealing I think to the people from my generation when it, when they first started to come about probably in the mid-70s with Pong I yeah. think, is the fact that you'd have to go to an arcade and play with quarters and go broke if you really wanted to stay there more than an hour. Mm-hmm. This was an opportunity to play something that was fun, you know, uh, on your own in your own home, which was a remarkable. It, it's I put it right up there with uh, you know the ability to tape TV shows and cut the commercials. The VCR, was yeah, the, yeah, the VCR and then TiVo and all that. Um, but now let's get to some of the questions that you probably handle uh, in in general on the podcast and elsewhere. And that is, 
content. Mm-hmm. And uh, whether or not there's any danger that people who play games and have this addiction to playing these games are in trouble uh, with the content that could lead them into bad places. What do sure. you think? Yeah, yeah. Um, I mean, I know that the uh, World Health Organization actually recently uh, labeled video game addiction as being like a real thing. Mm-hmm. Um, I can certainly see that as well. Um, it's one of those things like where, much like any anything else that you can indulge in, you can overindulge in it. And so I don't feel like video games are necessarily um, exclusive in that sense. It's just a matter of like the fact that there are like a lot of like young people who play games, and um, you know, especially if you look at like you know teenagers, whatever. Right. Um, it's just like anything else. Like you have to have like that parental guidance really to steer them away from overindulging in that sort of thing. Because I mean, it could be just as lethal as say like an adult who overindulges in in um, in, in like beer or whatever. So. Yeah. No. It, it, it's absolutely true what you said about the World Health Organization and the impact on the the brain actually when you're focusing so heavily and so long i think it's the the tenor the tenure rather of watching for hours on end you don't take your eyes off that screen it mm-hmm. it starts to hypnotize you in a weird way at the same time we talked about grand theft auto that's the one that got a lot of attention because of the treatment of women and so forth and so on mm-hmm. have they changed anything in the upgraded games have they softened their approach or have they just gone for it Mm. Since um, since three, as you say, came out. Yeah, I mean, if we're speaking Grand Theft Auto three, um, I mean, they certainly updated themselves in terms of like their storytelling. The storytelling is better, uh, characterization is better, um, and like you know, you know, to, to be fair to like Grand Theft Auto three, like there wasn't really like a focus anyway on like you know picking up hookers and killing them or whatever. <laughs> that that was just a small, like an extremely small part, like a point five percent like part of like the game that like you know that uh, the you know that, like the lawmakers wanted to like kind of focus on mm-hmm. when it became like this huge big thing. Um, but otherwise, I mean, that's still like um, as far as I know anyway, that's still like a thing you can do. But like it's just you know again, it's not like a focus. It's, it's just the fact that you're in this big sprawling. Well, city is there any? There. I don't even know. This, so I'm asking you, is there any kind of rating, parental guidance system of, oh, yeah, absolutely. for games? I thought there was. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, it's called the ESRB. Okay. Um, so basically that came about because of uh, when Mortal Kombat first came out. Uh, that was a focus, as well as a game called Night Trap, um, which uh, on, 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 you know, I'm not sure if you've heard of it, but uh, Night Trap got like a lot of flack because um, you know it was an FMV game, which is full motion video. Um, and it showed basically like, you know, these like teenagers who are being like, you know, uh, you know, chased around by like vampires or whatever, but they're not really vampires they're like guys in like, you know, garbage bag, like costumes or whatever, mm-hmm. and like trying to suck their blood or whatever. Um, but like, th- th- you know, these were games that were being like focused by people like Jack Thompson back in the day and also, like, you know, other like lawmakers, or whatever, like back in the day, mm-hmm. um, you know, saying that like, you know, video games are violent. We need to have some sort of like um, some sort of like rating system like in place. And so it was going to be government mandated in that case. And so the video games industry said, no, 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 we have to mandate it ourselves because you guys don't know what what gaming is. You don't mm-hmm. have you have no idea what this industry is or anything like mm-hmm. that. Uh, so it, I'll say it would have been a disaster if it was government mandated in that sense. Yeah, it usually is. Uh, and it's self-regulated then? It's self-regulated. And okay. so it's, you know, it's under the ESRB in that case. And so they do like the ratings. So like, you know, there's like M for mature and T right. for teen and all okay. that. So. Let's go to the other side of the equation and talk about the positives. What does video gaming, for somebody who doesn't abuse this and mm-hmm. become totally addicted, what can it do to you to strengthen your, your skills, your skill sets? What has it done for you? Sure. I mean, it's um, been entertaining, but what beyond that can it do? Yeah, yeah. Um, I mean, certainly entertaining, but also, um, you know, especially when you're looking at, like, online gaming, for sure. Um, and when you, like, think about, like, voice chat and all that. Um, I've actually, like, 
you know, made some friends through through voice chat, mm-hmm. actually through playing games like playing Overwatch or like playing Fancy Star Online back in the day. Uh, that was, that was on, the, on like the Dreamcast for those of you who don't know. So, um, but uh, yeah, I mean, like, you know, there was that, and also like you know, have like the hand-eye coordination, and mm-hmm. like just you know, also like for me, like who you know, I, I'm someone who likes to perform, and I, I love like seeing you know, seeing like performances um, and seeing how video games have like progressively gone more into like the performance side of things. I like, certainly with like you know, with like voiceover. Yes, um, it's kind of like a teaching tool for me in that sense too, as far as like how storytelling can be done in this medium as opposed to just like you know, passively watching a movie, for example. Well, what's cool about it, and we'll talk about voiceover in a second, but what's cool about the games that I've seen played, I don't really play them, is the number of potential scenarios because if you're adept at the game, you're going to want to go to the next level and the next level. And I often wonder, how many do they build into these, some of these things? Are they infinite? You know, Are they adding levels all the time to upgrade the, the I mean, game? in some cases, they can be infinite. Like, um, there's one game which I'll plug here uh, called Enter the Gungeon. Um, it is made by Dodge Roll Games. Uh, basically, that is a roguelite uh, top-down shooter style game. Mm-hmm. Um, but that game kind of feels like I could play it like all the time because the levels always change. Uh, so, like, the whole idea of, like, a roguelite game, basically, is that you have, like, levels that, you know, that always kind of, like, change, like, the parameters around, like, the shape mm. of the room, what's in the room, like, what the, what the what the dungeons themselves, like, actually are, you know, are, you know have or look like and, like, what, you know, what weapons may be available in that particular run, for example. Mm. So, you, you know, you always have something different every time you're playing, and it's very easy to kind of, like, you know, you, like, die, you jump right back in, die, you jump right back in kind of gameplay. So, the people creating these, and, and you certainly know some of these folks, are pretty creative to not only think about the basic structure, but to sort of plan ahead, surprise the player. Because without that, it's just, you know, you master it and you move on. You, you don't want to keep playing it. Right. right. Very important to keep them interested. I mean, that, that was a big concern, I know, for developers back in the 90s when renting vi- video games were, you know, was like a huge thing. And um, they want to make it so, um, like you know, a lot of you know, a lot of developers back then, knowing that, uh, purposely mm. made their games uh, more difficult than they and you know than they intended to really, uh, so as to make it so that you know kids can't just beat their game in a weekend. <laughs> basically, so. it, it, there's nothing more frustrating for me. I don't. I use a pen and pencil to do crossword puzzles. That's how old I am. Mm-hmm. But uh, when I when I get a, a challenging one and it's so easy it's, it's kind of disappointing I, I wanted a little more of a challenge that's same thing with video games uh talk about voiceover for a second because you're into that yourself yep. so am i obviously this has really become uh, a market for voiceover actors but uh big name actors as well hasn't it yeah um i mean certainly one that comes to mind anyway uh not not for the better but, but by the way as uh, peter dinklage uh when he lended his voice for uh, basically your ghost companion in destiny mm-hmm. um and i i liked his, his performance enough but it was very clear that like as you're like hearing him more like his uh, he's not really giving it his all or he doesn't really care really about the role because, you know, he's too busy with, like, um, Game, you know, of the, the, the Game of Thrones and all that. Yeah, exactly. Um, so, but, like, I, you know, I feel like a lot of the best performance you're going to find from the people who aren't already, like, stage performers or, or like, you know, or, like, um, or like m- m- movie actors yeah. or, like, anything like that. Um, it's more of, like, people who are, like, you know, like, um, like Nolan North or Troy Baker uh, Dave Fenoy is another big mm-hmm. one. Um, you know, I, I actually really like Dave, Dave Fenoy a lot. Um, I, I've, I've done like an interview with him before. Uh, same thing with Melissa Hutchison. Uh, Dave Fenoy and Melissa Hutchison, they worked on like the Walking Dead games, uh, which like their performances in particular really laid the groundwork, I feel like, from then on as far as like what performances in games can be like and what, what they're yeah, Well, the of. audio is, is an important facet here. It's not just the video. Mm-hmm. Uh, and people in movies and television sometimes downplay 
audio when they're producing things. But I love the fact that the audio is so nowadays so crisp and oh, yeah. well produced. And <laughs> just a little sidebar, and I'm sure you know about this, but when actors go in to record uh, for a video game, it's kind of like doing a menu for a bank or something. You have to do all kinds of inflections because the computer will place all kinds of answers and res- responses. You also have to learn how to die. I found that out. Yes. I did want to – all the all the grunts and groans, right, sure. David? Yeah, absolutely. I mean that that's certainly a big thing. Uh, you know, so Certainly if you're playing as like say like a fighting game character, for example, I mean like it helps like – you know, every time you get like hit or whatever, it's just mm. like, you know, just random like kind of sounds kind of comes like, huh, huh, like all that stuff. So <laughs> it's re- very weird if you're walking by a studio and the door's ajar and you hear that, but it's what has to be done. Yeah, exactly. Be, now, here's a question for you. If, if if maybe you've toyed with this idea, but if you could create a game and maybe you thought about it, what what what's out there that you, hasn't been done or that you'd like to see done? Is that a fair question? Um, it's a fair question. Um, I'm not sure if I have one in mind as far as like one that hasn't been done. Although I know for me, I would like to see um, more like stealth related games come back again. So like by that, I mean like games with like stealth mechanics, like Splinter Cell, for example. Um, that's a particular franchise I would love to see come back. Well, what do you mean by – I know what stealth means, the de- dictionary de- dictionary definition. What do you mean here? So in this case, like with like a game that's like very heavily focused on like stealth mechanics, meaning that you like hide from your enemy. You're meant to kind of like move past oh, okay. them. It's not necessarily a, you know, grab your big gun and gauge kind of like game basically. Mm-hmm. So I, I always like enjoyed those types of games like where you have to be like, you know, um, you know, implement some espionage in a way, you know. Yeah, thinking man's game. Yeah, it's a little yeah. bit more thought involved than simply blowing some creature yeah. away yeah and th- you know th- there are games like even today that still implement like those things like you know in, in their in their mechanics but i you know I, I actually do really you know would really like to see more games i guess come back with it just being a strict stealth game so that's that's like one thing it's, it's not like anything groundbreaking by any means but like it's something i would like to see come back you mentioned earlier david that uh, technology you know is increasing in its alacrity and its speed in terms of what's coming out but this is a piggyback question. What is coming out? What do you see in the future, say, three to five years? Anything that's going to just blow us away, or have we been blown away to the point now we, we can't be? I mean, there's certainly a lot more things that's coming out uh, that's going to blow us away. Um, one thing that certainly comes to mind is Google Stadia. So Google is now going into the gaming market hardcore mm. with their own console. Um, this has been rumored for like a long while, and now they, you know, they're, they're you know they're coming out with their own console, and which I believe is coming out this month. I want to say in November. So, okay. um, but basically, what they're doing is that it's an all streaming device. It it has no 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 physical media like what whatsoever. You don't download the games. You just basically play them over Google's own servers. I see. So that's that's like their way, like you know, with that with with that particular part, uh, that's their way of saying that like oh, we're we're trying to address like the latency. Um, ahead of time by basically having our servers basically predict what you're going to do and be able to and send that. how do they make their money in this case? By charging you for the right to do that or yeah. through advertising or both? Yeah. So well, it, it's, it's more for like the streaming service itself. Okay. So, like, for the streaming service. Yeah. So think of like with like Netflix, you pay like eight bucks a month or whatever. Okay. Um, in this particular case, I think you're paying ten bucks a month. I, I'm, you know, don't don't quote me on that, but I, I want to say that's that's what the price is. Um, so, uh, you know, so, you know, so that's happening. Um, Apple's also doing it too with Apple Arcade, although they don't have an actual device that they're coming out with. It's just like the Apple Arcade service. And so now you can use whatever Apple device you have in order to access that and access the games to that. So they're also doing like, their own streaming service that way. Final question. Mm-hmm. 
and this is something that uh, I think everyone can relate to. Given a choice, are you a mouse guy, a keyboard guy, a controller guy? What What's your favorite apparatus? Um, I've always generally been more of a console guy, so like the controllers for right, sure. Right. Um, although I've certainly used like mouse and keyboard for like a number of games. I uh, usually feel like real time strategy games like Warcraft or Starcraft mm-hmm. or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, those games just lend themselves more to being like mouse and keyboard. Um, although for me, like, you know, cause I know like for like a lot of first person shooter fans, like, you know, a lot of them, you know, prefer to use like mouse and keyboard. Um, you know, you certainly get like a lot more control in that sense. I know for me, I grew up with like controllers in that sense. So that's what I use. Some of the controllers are really cool. They you are. Know, they're, they're, they're look like lasers and phasers and all that kind of stuff. <laughs> and I love the, the, the one game that I remember playing a couple of times was, um, a motocross kind of game. You know, you're in the driver's seat of the racing car and oh, yeah. and it's a steering wheel that you're playing with which makes sense as opposed to i wouldn't want to drive a car with a mouse right right <laughs> certainly not a mouse sitting beside me well this is really interesting let's plug your uh, podcast again uh tell us about it uh sure yeah so the podcast i do is called Arcast, which is short for another retro gaming podcast uh basically we celebrate old school games and we have on like you know guests and like do giveaways and all that uh, we've been around for almost four years now. We're fast approaching our 200th episode. Mm. Um, so yeah, and uh, actually, um, you know, like later on tonight, um, you know, so, you know, I'm not sure like when when you're going to have this up, but mm-hmm. later on tonight, we're going to be recording for for Hideo Kojima um, oh. uh, um, episode. So that is uh, something that we're working on, and um, yeah, we have like some big plans for the future as well. So. Well, David Giltonin's own website is logicallydashing.com. Mm-hmm. I love the uh, the uh, picture of. The anime oh, guy, yeah. The anime guy that is you here. Uh, very handsome dude. Very tough looking. <laughs> Nothing and, like me at all. Well, that's the fun of it. <laughs> that's the fun of it. But seriously, it, it's an industry that is huge in terms of popularity around the world. And it's mm-hmm. here to stay. And it's nice to know that we have people like you to sort of put everything into perspective and uh, at the same time enjoy the fun of it. One more thing I've got to ask you. Sure. Do you ever play Asteroids in an old bar room? I, I played Asteroids not in an old bar room, but certainly at an old arcade for sure. <laughs> In an old arcade. <laughs> yeah. Asteroids was my favorite game. Yeah, it's a great uh, game. Because it, it was, and Centipede, because these were these were bar room games. I'm not a drinker, but I go to bar rooms to play games in mm-hmm. the old days. And there's something about Asteroid that was so simple and so Star Wars-y. And uh, sometimes it's fun to go retro, right? Go back and... Take a yeah. look at those old games. Uh, absolutely, yeah, and like retro gaming uh, has certainly come back in, in you know in like a big way as well. I mean, you know, certainly with like what what like Nintendo is doing with the NES and SNES yeah. classics, and with like Sega with the Genesis Classic and all that too. So, um, you know, that and also like having like a lot of retro games like available now in like modern consoles. That's certainly become a big thing. Mm. Uh, I know there are like businesses that make like their whole business model like like. Um, uh, that actually focus on um, on having like physical releases of like newer games to make them look like older games. It's you know? uh, as as we sit in my studio, look across your shoulder, you'll see uh, albums. I never got rid of them, and they came back. <laughs> David, thank you so much. It's delightful. I, I really enjoyed working with you here doing this, but uh, in the past we've worked together as well, and it's been a great experience. And I wish you the best with all of your projects and uh, keep racking up high scores. Absolutely. Thanks, Jordan. <laughs> A fine friend and a terrific talent, David Gilton, and everything you need to know about video gaming and more. Don't forget you can subscribe and download and rate and review us anytime and tell your friends about it. We are growing in popularity. We're now entering our third year. And if you'd like to contact me, Jordan at chartproductions.com. That's where we produce the program with help from Ken Carberry and, of course, Dan Tebow of Fast Twitch Media. You can also find me on Twitter at JordanWBZ and on Facebook, it's The Jordan Rich Show. Hey, until next time, be well so you can do good. Take care.